Welcome into Ots and Audible's podcast. I'm Matt Prem. Eric Scopel is with me as always, talking Oregon Duck football, Oregon Duck football recruiting. And today, Eric, uh, we are going to dive into the Auburn football game a little bit more. We had an instant reaction podcast shortly up after that 27 to 21 or 27 21 loss uh, to the Tigers when it was at nine seconds. The Tigers that touchdown to win the football game and here we go um has it set in yet like are you like 24 hours 36 hours ish later does does this loss sting even more does it sting less now that you've had some time to 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 kind of digest this game i think it stings like the same (laughs) it still it still doesn't feel good it still is sort of confusing that they're 0 and 1 rather than 1 and 0 right now because it really felt like for I don't know three quarters of the game it was pretty I felt like they were the better football team maybe two and a half quarters but it certainly felt like they were going to win up until like, like you said nine seconds to play and so um really just a devastating way to start a football season. I'd have to go back and, and look and maybe talk to some Oregon football historians, but I can't imagine there's been a season that starts more heartbreaking than this. I mean, obviously in 2011 they lost to LSU in a, in a game where both teams were ranked really high, but they lost by like 13 points, and they were really down 20, 21 points most of the game. Um, this is a game they, they should have won, and I think if you want to be glasses half full, you can say, hey, well, at least they played a really good team and they – you know, they had their number, you know, that, that they showed up for the game. They were, looked like they were for, were going to win the football game for most of it. And that's not always been the case when they go into these matchups with teams from the SEC and, and, uh, you know, the Big Ten, you know, think about games with Ohio State. But at least, at least they were competitive. At least they were in the game all the way through and, 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 you know, in control of the game. It felt like all the way until, like we said, the last 10 seconds, but, um, I think just the fact that you look up and the polls are going to come out tomorrow on Tuesday and, and we don't know exactly where Oregon's going to be, but it, you know, if they would have won that game, they would have been inside the top 10. Yeah. Now they lost that game. I'm going to guess they're going to be closer to like the low teens or something. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a hard one. How about you? Um, I think more of an appreciation for Oregon's defense. Sure. A day later, or 36 hours later, whenever we're recording this on a Labor Day Monday morning, um, I, I think from an offensive standpoint, like you, it's a little bit more of some confusion because you just go back and you watch this game again, and I've done that, and you watch how just awesome the offense was right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we're talking chunk plays left and right. I mean, the, their, Oregon's third drive of the game. It, it, this is the play chart. C.J. Verdell, 37 yards to the Auburn, 38. A penalty for a face mask pushes it 15 yards to the 23. Travis Dye goes three yards to the Auburn, 20. And then the third play of the drive, Justin Herbert, 20-yard pass to Spencer Webb, which was more like a 40-yard pass considering how far <laughs> Herbert was back and then how far Spencer Webb was deep into the end zone. But three plays, 75 yards, touchdown. Like, that's just impressive to me. And, you know, even the other two drives of, you know, Oregon put together a, you know, what was it, an 11-play, 74-yard drive that ended with C.J. Verdell on fourth and goal from the one for a touchdown. And then the second drive of the game, uh, 10 plays and 42 yards, and it obviously ended with a 20-yard field goal from Camden Lewis from, you know, wide right. But I look at that first quarter, and it's like, 
you know, we were thinking Oregon was maybe going to score 28, 35 points in the first half, potentially be up, I don't know, 29, 26, 22, you know, points going into, into halftime and, and maybe the, the second string guys are the ones that are in the game for both teams, uh, in the, late in the fourth quarter instead of it being the outcome that it was, but that's why you play the game. And unfortunately for Oregon's side, you know, their offense just really just got stuck in the mud and really couldn't do anything beyond the first quarter. They had one drive in that, that second half that was pretty good where it was their first drive or Auburn went out and I think they, they got maybe one first down or the, yeah, they had a delay again. They went three and out. Yeah, three and out. Three and out to start the, to start the third, the second quarter or third quarter. And then Oregon put together a nine play 53 yard drive that ended with a Darian Felix touchdown run of six yards. And you're, you're thinking, okay, here we go. You know, they've, they slowed down a little bit in the second quarter, but they figured things out and then it just, it just died. Three plays, one yard for Oregon's next drive. Five plays, 23 yards and a punt on the next one. Uh, three plays, five yards for Oregon. And then uh, eight plays and 33 yards, which ended up being the fourth and one. C.J. Verdell getting stuffed. And um, five plays, 13 yards and a punt. And then, you know, one play, one, you know, no yards. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's – it's kind of confusing what happened with the offense. Um, I, I, I think a lot of it has to do with the issues at wide receiver. And, and, you know, it's not easy when you're down five of your 11 scholarship receivers. And right. I really I really think if you threw Jawan Johnson in there and he was healthy for this game, it might have been the difference. And that's easy to say. But, I mean, like Auburn literally won with nine seconds to go. And if Oregon had picked up, I don't know, two or three more first downs, if Johnson had played and caught like three catches for 35 yards and that's three more first downs, that might have been all it needed to, to win the game, really. I mean, it, it's not like they needed that much to win, and it might have just been as simple as having uh, another guy out there. It might have been as simple as having, you know, Jawan Johnson running at the back end of the end zone in that first quarter instead of Brian Addison, and Johnson catches a touchdown pass instead of Addison. So all of this is, you know, conjecture and hypothetical, but I, I really think the issues at receiver were, were significant. And, uh, you know, if you ask me kind of how I'm feeling a couple of days later, just in terms of the trajectory of the season, and I did write a story on the site about how I still think Oregon's going to win the Pac-12. I think my only concerns right now are at wide receiver, and if the health stuff plays out in, in a positive way, which I think we obviously somebody no, no one's been ruled out for the season at wide receiver. You know, I think the, the furthest out is probably Micah Pittman, and I would guess he'd be back. You know, either uh, for the Cal or Colorado game. Uh, you know, you know, in, in a handful of games. I think they're going to be okay at, at all those other positions. Again, I thought the secondary was was really, really good. I thought Javon Holland might be – he looked like the best player on the team, honestly. If we, if we were giving out a game ball, I would probably give it to Javon Holland, and then offensively I'd probably give it to Johnny Johnson because we talked about the lack of weapons at wide receiver. He was great in that game, you know, and that might get overlooked by people. But, you know, seven catches for 98 yards. This is a guy – Some of them weren't easy catches either. Yeah, he had a couple diving that, – that, I think that diving one um, – you know, near the red zone, I forget which drive that was, but that was a really good catch. Uh, yeah, he, that was a uh, that was in the third quarter getting was, him ready to score. Yeah, okay, that's what I thought. Um, he he played really really well in that game. I thought the offensive line again. You go back and watch it; like they were winning a lot of the battles for three quarters, and then I think Auburn up front dominated the last quarter. I think that mm-hmm. was something that stood out. Is that both sides of the ball? 
Yep, exactly. That fourth quarter, Auburn finally was able to kind of assert its will. When they had the football, Booby Whitlow got going, and then when Oregon had the ball, just could not run the football. And and that was, I think, the frustrating part is that I think you'd probably give Oregon the advantage in the trenches for three quarters, but that fourth quarter was a heavy, heavy Auburn win, and I think that went a big way in determining the outcome of the game, and I think that's probably something you're a little concerned about. But at the same time, you look at the schedule – Oregon's offensive line isn't going to face a defensive line this good. Again, period. Unless they play Utah in the championship game. And even then, that might not be as good. And Oregon's defensive line isn't going to face an offensive line this good. Oh, well, they might face it at Stanford. They might face it uh, in Washington a couple of games this year. But, like, that's this, this is a pretty good offensive line Auburn had. So um, I think those are things that I was concerned about maybe a little bit. But, like, ultimately, I just look at this team and think, I still think they can absolutely rattle off 10 wins this season. I, I don't look at the schedule and say, oh, man, they're – they're screwed. They're going to win seven games, and this is going to be a big regression season. I think it's still a season that can be really special, and I hope fans cannot, you know, take a take a step off the ledge and kind of go, okay, it was the first game. It doesn't impact anything in the conference race, and if they win the conference, they can still go to the Rose Bowl. And if they were to win out somehow, and they end up twelve and one at the end of the regular season with a conference championship game, I, I think they'd be very, very highly considered for that college football playoff. Yeah, I think there's a lot to walk away from. Um, and this is just not great podcast audio right now because some humongous helicopter is flying over the. Oh wow! Yeah, this is. Are you okay, Matt? It's a hostage situation. Some massive helicopter just flew over my house. Yeah, well, uh, I hope you're okay. <laughs> I don't think you could hear it. I asked if it was a hostage situation, but I think the, uh... <laughs> no, I could not hear it. That's how close it was. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, it was loud on my end too. So uh, I guess apologize for that dang helicopter for whatever that was about. <laughs> um, back to my original comment, and before we were interrupted by the helicopter, um, which is just really strange. I can't get off that. I, I walked away from this game, and I, I think there's two questions. There's one: How good do you think Auburn is? Because I think I think they're good, but at the same time. I'm a little worried about them because Bo Nix wasn't really anything special. He was almost a liability right. until maybe halfway through the third quarter or halfway through the fourth quarter. You know, I, I don't think you – you certainly in the first half. I mean, I was I was talking and people in the press box were, were wondering, could Joey Gatewood be, come in at quarterback? I mean, he was that bad and he, or he wasn't really doing anything of note. And yeah, you know, he made some plays, yes, and you have to give him credit for that, especially at the end of the game, uh, for the touchdown pass and the other touchdown pass to get him within, uh, I think their first touchdown of the second half. Um, so he made some plays, but at the same time, he didn't really do anything for almost three quarters of the football game. And yeah. he did make the plays down the stretch, so that's, you gotta give him credit. So how much, how much is he gonna improve? What are other teams gonna be able to expose now that they have film on him? Um, I, I think Auburn's going to be good. Are they going to be a 10-win team? Are they going to be an 11-win team? I don't know that. That being said, I walked away feeling like, hey, the defense is there. You know, they're already going to be pretty good. We can, I think we can, we can say that they're going to be a, a, a pretty good group, you know, barring some injuries. Um, offensively, if, if I think the run game, you give a little tip of the cap to Auburn's defensive line. Um, but at the same time, I think they didn't maybe play their cleanest game, their best game possible. Some of that probably dealt with the opponent. Some of that I think is just they didn't play very well. 
um, at, at times. I think other times they played tremendously. Kind of, so can you smooth that out? And then you've got to be able to stay on the attack. And yeah, I, I'm kind of curious. Does, I think some programs, you know, like Alabama, Oklahoma, Clemson, um, Georgia, Ohio State, you know, these teams are, they lose guys every year, just like everybody else. But that winning culture, that winning attitude, that, that experience of being aggressive still and playing confident and strong with the lead is passed down from, you know, recruiting class to recruiting class. And at Oregon, I kind of wonder if this group needs to maybe if, – if they're learning on the fly of how to be an elite team – and, pl- and, and keep that aggressiveness and yet still be safe at the same time, if, if that makes any sense, with, when you've got a lead. Because, you know, they had a 15-point lead at one point in this football game, and I just don't know if if they've figured out yet the, the perfect mix of, you know, playing aggressive and taking chances but not risking it all when you have such a big lead. Yeah, I mean, I think – Probably outside of the issues at wide receiver, the thing I was, I don't want to say most disappointed, that's probably not the right word, but maybe most confounded by was, was how conservative they got offensively. And again, I do think that has to do with just not having guys that you feel comfortable throwing the ball down the field with. That, yeah, just the, the, the talent at receiver really dictated, I felt like, what Oregon could and couldn't do. And maybe the experience at receiver, I mean, keep in mind, like, Oregon, Oregon was, you know, they, they signed five receivers this offseason. Jawan Johnson as a graduate transfer and four freshmen. Um, of those five newcomers, four of them are hurt and probably the three best, Jawan Johnson, Micah Pittman, and then would you say Lance Will Hoyt? I think Delgado and Will Delgado, Hoyt. Delgado is Del- probably your third best yeah, out probably. of those five. Yeah, so your I two agree. best – your two best newcomers at the position are hurt and are, are not playing. And then your fourth and and your fifth best receiver are also hurt that, out of that group. And, oh, by the way, the, you, you brought back ba- basically three dudes with experience and probably the best one of the three in Brendan Schooler, he's also hurt. So, like, all the help that they had that they were anticipating being able to use throughout the 2019 football season – all gone. They're all hurt. Yeah. Yeah. No, and that, and that that can't be ignored. And I think one thing that if you again, if you want to take a positive, you go, they had to rely on Johnny Johnson and Jalen Red, who were very up and down, especially Johnson last season, and they both performed really well. I mean, Johnny Johnson didn't drop a pass. We talked early, made some really good catches. Jalen Red was very reliable and some short he didn't really have anything down the field, but you know, they used him a lot in the screen game and he played really well there. So some positives there, but yeah, I, I think if you just look at the conservative nature, like we were talking about a second ago, um, I think a, a large part of that is just the lack of options at receivers. And I think you get to a certain point in the game and you go, gosh, our guys can't run to the sticks and get open. We have to throw it underneath and rely upon our guys to make, you know, players miss in space. And Auburn's got great team speed. I mean, that's a fat, there's a couple times there were, where I turned to you and went, gosh, I thought there was a 20-yard hole there, and, and it only went for six yards because those guys just fl- flew in there and made the plays. So uh, I think that played a role in it too. But, yeah, I think you wanted to see them with the game on the line, with Justin Herbert at quarterback, go out there and try to move the ball down the field with his arm. And 
I think in part because of the lack of playmakers at receiver. That wasn't a thing they could do, and it well, the result was was they kind of got stuck in this weird no man's land of like we're it seems like we're both trying to score but also run the clock out, and yeah. neither of it really worked. And you ended up with you, you ran through the drive chart earlier. Like the last three drives were like okay, we're kind of like running it but trying to throw it, but we can't really do either very successfully. And it just it didn't it just wasn't pretty football, and it was. Again, a really disappointing way for the offense to end. And I know people are, are absolutely burning Mario or uh, Marcus Arroyo right now on social media and, and on our website for conservative play calling. I, I would say let's pump the brakes a little bit. Let's see how this offense looks when they have all of their pieces back. Uh, we should mention Cam McCormick, who's, I don't know, arguably their best tight end, if not their best, their second best tight end, also wasn't available in this game. That's another guy that would have probably played a role both as a blocker and as a pass catcher. Ducks were just really dinged up in this game, and I know that's an excuse, but I really think you would have seen them attack Auburn a little bit differently if just a couple of those guys were available. All right, coming up, let's take a break with our sponsors, and then we'll, we'll be right back to discuss an interesting story that came out of Arlington, Texas. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back to the Odds and Audibles podcast. I'm at Prime. Eric Scopel is with me. And Eric, sometimes we get some stories that really out of a, a football game that really kind of moved the needle. And I think in, in after the Auburn Oregon game, a Pete Thamel story for the Yahoo sports really kind of pushed a lot of needles and moved a lot of uh, discussion points around and had a lot of people talking. And it, it still does to this day, a couple of days later after the game. And um, Thamel wrote a story on Yahoo sports. And after being at the game that, he believes Mario Cristobal has lost now two games and you know two important games, uh, one against Stanford and now one against Auburn because of poor clock management, and that he believes that Auburn never should have even been in that position to come back and win the game had Oregon properly manned the clock right. And he ends his story by saying um, different scenarios, but the results were strikingly similar. Um, Oregon lost to number seven Stanford last year, number 16 Auburn this year after poor clock management, games that knocked the Ducks out of the national conversation. And this has become a trend for Crystal Ball, one that is up to him to reverse. It's time for him to use another timeout and rethink how he's managing games as late game strategy is undercutting the program's searing momentum. Um, it's a very, very scathing article on the Oregon program, on Mario Crystal Ball. Um, I personally don't 100% agree with Thamel here because could Oregon have 
manage the clock a little better? Sure. Is that the reason why they lost? In my mind, no. I mean, Oregon lost this football game because they couldn't move the ball. Right. And they, you know, they didn't go conservative. I mean, they threw the ball, I think, seven out of the eight times. I have to look at the play chart again in the fourth quarter. But, I mean, their first plays, outside of the last drive where Herbert threw out of the end zone, you know, first down, Herbert completes the pass to Red. Uh, that was their first, that was their last real drive. You know, they, they were aggressive throwing the football two straight times out of that series to start their job. Uh, their second to last possession of the ball. It starts off with a pass, a pass, a pass. Um, you know, a couple more passes in, involved in that series. Um, fourth start of the fourth quarter, you know, Herbert passed the ball once out of the three, three plays that they ran. And, you know, third, you know, so they were, they were being aggressive. I just don't think they were being aggressive enough, I guess. Is that, that's my thing. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't think clock management is why Oregon lost. I mean, this football game, they, you know, their offense just became stagnant. That's why they lost this football game. It wasn't because they, they weren't bleeding clock. It's because they couldn't move the ball. I, I think the whole narrative is kind of convenient, personally. Yes. I mean, I mean, like, could you argue that Cristobal mismanaged some of that stuff? Yeah, but that's with the understanding that Oregon knew Auburn was going to score with nine seconds to play or something like that. I mean, like, like I, I think I think Oregon was caught in a weird spot personally because you, you lead twenty-one to twenty and you've got the football and if you go score a touchdown, you probably put the game on ice or you, you have a chance to, if you went for two and converted, you make it a two score game or you can run the clock. And if you are able to pick up a couple first downs, you win that way. But it's like, I don't think they kind of knew exactly what they were doing. And I think I said this earlier, I felt like they kind of tried to do both and neither really worked. But at the same time, it's like, you really going to kill them for snipe, you know, for not snapping the football at five seconds and snapping it at 10 you know, like, and because five seconds, I guess, gives Auburn slightly more time to have that game-winning drive, but that's with the supposition that you know Auburn is going to have that game-winning drive that ends the way it ends. You know what I mean? Like, I think if you're Cristobal, you probably are going, like, we do need to be aggressive and go score. We haven't been able to move the football this whole half. Like, let's, let's go, let's go put, put our, you know, our foot on their throat. We want to be somewhat aggressive. And so I think either way, Oregon went like if Oregon had just thrown the ball over and over again and killed clock and killed clock and killed clock, people would have said they were too aggressive, and if they would have run the ball into the ground, people would have said they were too conservative. So, I I, I think like last year's game against Stanford, a hundred percent, that was not properly handled. I think sure. everybody everybody would agree with that. I think these are really different scenarios. Like, and that's what Cristobal said after when he it, was asked, you know, yeah, about that. Yeah, it's exactly what he said, and, I, and I, I think he was irritated that the question was being asked and the way the question was asked, and uh, you know, not to defend him entirely for the whole thing, because I do think they could have handled that end-of-game scenario better 100%, and I think he'd admit that, but I don't think it feels like you're you're pointing the finger because that's what you want, you, you came into the game wanting to do, and what you really should be reflecting on is, is uh, more of... Why couldn't Oregon move the ball the whole second half? That that was the more frustrating part. I don't I don't think uh, I don't think they knew I don't think they felt confident they could move the ball, but they felt like they needed to, and, and they they didn't know they didn't think they could run the ball and pick up first downs that way and, and milk the clock. So they tried to throw the football and and try to stay aggressive. So um, I don't know. Like, I, I, I think Oregon, that, uh, not let's cut you off, but look, I mean, look, just look at the final drive that Auburn had. 
Third and three, pass and complete pass, and they face a fourth and three. A fourth and three. I mean, Oregon gets to stop. The game's over. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. Uh, yeah they, but instead, Bo Nix runs for three yards, and they get you know they get the first down. Uh, and then later on, third and one at the Oregon forty-one. You know, Oregon has another situation where they can put them in a fourth down spot. They get the first down. Third and ten at the Oregon thirty-nine. And Nick's completed a pass to Seth Williams for 13 yards to the 26. So, I mean, that, that just doesn't, it, I mean, yes, there are things that they could have done to, to, to better manage the clock. But to sit here and say that that's the reason why they lost is wrong. I mean, the defense had three different opportunities in the final drive alone to get off the field and get the ball back and win the game. And I'm not pitting, I'm not sitting here pitting the defense is the reason why they lost because that's unfair. But that, just that one drive alone, there was three opportunities for Oregon's team to win the football game and they didn't do it. And it goes back to, you know, the offense, you know, wh- what happens if, you know, they, I, I, and I think when we're talking about being a, a aggressive and, and whatnot, um, that Travis die, you know, run for seven yards on third and 14, like everyone kind of knew that was coming. Um, sure. That that's kind of where you're like, what what's going on? Why are you doing this? You know, do something. You know, be a little more aggressive there. Um, or when it's fourth and one, and you have an opportunity to you know get another first down at the Auburn forty, and potentially <clears throat> this is where you potentially could run the clock out. Right. Exactly. And yeah, that's, if that's a first down, they might have been able to win the game right there. Right. And that, you know, so these are the, op- this is where Oregon lost the football game. They didn't lose because Mario Cristobal didn't properly manage the game. It sure played a factor into it. Sure. I mean, I think you could say that, but so I'm not, I'm not here to, you know, there's a lot of people that are complaining about Marcus Arroyo's play calling. People are already calling for him to be let go and people are already going in and starting to doubt, you know, the Oregon, you know, coach staff as a whole under Cristobal and, I just feel like that's way above where it needs to be in, of the discussion. Um, there are, you know, very simple reasons if you go back and you just take a level-headed approach of why this football game was lost for Oregon and clock management is so far down the list. Well, yeah, just one last thought I had and kind of what I was trying to work towards was how much does it matter if Oregon snapped it eight seconds different with like two and a half minutes to go? What's the difference between Auburn, who I think had two timeouts, inheriting the football with 13 less seconds? Uh, I think you, you can say, oh, well, they only they scored with nine seconds left. They wouldn't have had that opportunity. But I think Gus Malzahn's a pretty good football coach. He would have figured out a, a way to, to maximize those opportunities and use his timeouts differently. So it's, yeah. it's all it's all very convenient to say that, oh, if, if Mario Cristobal had snapped the ball and you know, told Justin Herbert to snap the ball at a certain time, that Auburn wouldn't have had those chances. No, Oregon didn't pick up the first downs. If Oregon picks up the first downs, it's all a moot point. So again, I, I, I sort of disagree with the whole, the whole thing to a certain degree. I think it's, it's convenient and I think it's something that, uh, frankly, I don't feel like that's what transpired. All right. Last question before we wrap up the show. Um, does Oregon's 27-21 performance or 27, yeah, 27-21, um, does this performance change your opinion of Oregon's outlook on this season? No, I, yeah, go ahead. I, I, not, not at all. Uh, I, I, I wrote this already. I think, I still think they can, I, I think they can win the conference. I think they, I think that defense looked 
I was really impressed with the way they got after Bo Nix. You know, you, you only had one sack, but you had seven quarterback hurries. They first two fr- turnovers. One of them was based upon pressure that they applied. Um, I thought that defense looked tremendous. I think that defense against Nevada this upcoming week is going to look even better. Um, and we should mention that Nevada game is a sneaky, sneaky game. Don't overlook that game. I think when we did our preseason predictions, we kind of overlooked a little bit. But Nevada just won and beat Purdue. They won eight games last year. Oregon's coming off a heartbreaking loss. Don't be shocked if this is a game that feels a little more competitive than it probably should. Um, but at the same time, I, I still think if Oregon has its head on straight and they play to their, their max ability and they get some of these receivers back, I don't see any reason this team can't win 10, 11 games. I really don't. I, I, I mean, obviously you, you want to see – we should mention the field goal kicking is, concern, is a concern still if, if they're in tight games and they have to rely upon their place kicker. We haven't seen anything that leads us to believe that that's going to be significantly better. Uh, Camden Lewis missed a 20-yard field goal. That's honestly unacceptable. It's basically an extra point. Um, and I think the issues at receiver are going to be resolved as long as these guys get healthy. Um, and, and that's something that should happen. And none of these injuries, like we said, are believed to be season-ending injuries. Um, and then the other, you know, the whole game management thing uh, and the clock management and the offensive play calling stuff, I, I think that stuff's going to kind of work itself out. I, I think it's a little knee-jerk to come back out of that game and go, fire Arroyo, Cristobal needs to make changes, fire Cristobal or, or whatever, you know, people are saying. I just think that's really knee-jerk. And, I again, we've seen Oregon come into these big game scenarios before and just not play very well and not be up for the challenge and be, you know, beat the team that's down 21-6 midway through the third quarter because they weren't ready. I thought it was a, a nice step in the right direction, frankly, that they came out and they really kind of dominated the, 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 the tempo and they dominated the way the game was played for all, you know, pretty much the whole game. And Auburn, to the tip of their cap, they did enough things at the end of the game to win, and Oregon did not do enough things to, to win. I think maybe the killer instinct is the one thing that you're still kind of also wondering about because Oregon now hasn't really shown it. But I, I still think they can win the conference, and I still think they will. We learned a lot about Oregon's defense and how good they could be. I, I, I'm with you. I think Javon Holland was Oregon's best player in that Auburn game. I think he showed a ton of growth from year one to the start of year two. Um, the defensive line was really good outside of a couple, you know, false starts from, or uh, offsides penalties by Austin Folio. I, I, I think the defensive line was pretty impressive until they were just out there too long. Um, I'm with you. I, they're not going to play a defense that's as good as this unless they get to Utah in the conference championship, and then I think they will. You know, I, I really, I really do. I think that they're going to find a way to, to turn the season around a little bit and win some football games, and, and you know, they're going to compete for the conference championship. And if, and if you were told at the end of the year that hey, Oregon is going to lose to Auburn, but they're still going to find their way into the conference championship game, you would call that a successful season. So. Everything is still on the table for the Ducks. And you know what? If Oregon goes 11 and 1 and wins the conference championship game, you know, they might not be an automatic team in the college football playoff, but they'll be in the, they'll be in the discussion. And, you know, it's probably unlikely that they're going to be in the playoff, but if, if, if in that scenario, but they're going to they're going to be in the discussion, and that's what you want. And if you don't get in, you go to a, a New Year's Six Bowl, which will more than likely be the Rose Bowl. Um, or, or something of like that. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think Oregon, this doesn't change my opinion of Oregon. Um, and quite frankly, my, my opinion on Oregon is kind of in hold until we find out, 
you know, when Oregon gets healthy on offense and how, and then how those guys impact the game. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, that that's the big question is, is when are these guys healthy and are they ready for Stanford? I think that, that Stanford game now with, with those, that's kind of the timeline for a lot of these guys to get back. It, that's going to be really interesting to see who's available in that one. All right, for Eric Scopel and myself, Matt Prame, thanks for listening to the Odds and Audibles podcast. We will be back later this week for a mailbag, uh, taking your questions. So if you are listening to this one and want to get in on those questions, go ahead and shoot us a, t- uh, a message on Twitter. Uh, hit us up on DuckTerritory.com, or if you see Eric in the streets, <laughs> let him know, please. Yeah, please uh, do that. Thanks for listening to the Odds and Audibles podcast. We'll be back soon. Adios, amigos.